When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From the 5th Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey everybody, happy Tuesday. Episode 895 of Coach Unplugged. Very excited you decided to join us. Part 2 with Coach Sweeney today. Uh, head men's basketball coach at uh, Connecticut College. So check that out. They're the Camels, if I remember right. Um, but before we do that, I'd like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market, bar none. Uh, they do a little bit of everything. And um, I just don't think you'll be disappointed. I think it will make your team better shooters. Um, it's easy to use. It's innovative. It's revolutionized the shooting machine industry, in my opinion. Go over and check it out. Mention Coach Unplugged. They'll give you $350 off. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. If you're looking for videos or handouts or community, you know, last week was a prime example of just showing the community that we have with inside of teachhoops.com. Um, come over, join us. Become a T-Trooper is what I'm telling you. Uh, you will not be disappointed. 14-day free trial. That's how much there's nothing else on the market that gives you that kind of trial. So go over and check it out. And let's head off to the podcast. I tell my guys, and this is, I think this is Corelli, the, the smart take from the strong, man. Like, trust me, you if you can you can neutralize some, some deficiencies in your game, too, if you can do some of these things. Um, let's go to the last slide. And then, because I got lots of questions for yeah. you, folks. So I want to make sure so, that we have time for that. I was going to, you know, when we were, you know, chatting pre-show, Steve, this was sort of going to be my um, coaching thought to dive into later. But I, I think this is just such a tough area to coach. And every everywhere I talk to coaches, um, I don't know how you feel about this, but I always feel like in my conversations, you know, defense, you can have your philosophy. It's There's a certain element to defense. I think all coaches understand. You teach it. I just think, you know, we're just talking about trying to teach people to see, right? That's pretty hard. I think offensive decision-making might be the hardest thing for all of us to really grapple with, right? I mean, you, there's so many good ideas out there. Um, you know, there's this new sh shot quality index that, you know, I've become familiar with that, you know, so there's a million ways to try to do it. So um, what, what we've tried to do is make it really simple for our guys in terms of, you know, 
when we make decisions in our offense, like here, here's essentially what we're talking about. And so just to be quick, you know, you're either in the action or you're not. In other words, I either have the ball or I'm screening on the ball or I'm, I'm involved like directly in the action or I'm not. So understanding which is which I think is important. And then let's say that again. So you're either say that again. So I'll use an example to try to explain. Okay. Um, in the action would be, let's just say we have our five players on the floor and I'm holding the ball on the left wing and my teammates coming over to set a ball screen for me. Okay. Okay. So if we're kind of using this model that's on the screen, like the player, me with the ball, let's say you're setting the screen for me as my teammate, we're in the action. Okay. Like we're in the ball screen. We're in the action. Yeah. So uh, that, that should trigger a whole series of, you know, reads for us because we're in the action. Right. Um, the guys that are out of the action, again, this is sort of the way we're trying to structure it is I've got to know I'm not in the ball screen. So I'm out of the action. And what we like, you know, we want to give a lot of space there. Um, and we want to be ready to come into the action, but we're out of the action. So does that so, make so sense? I'm so I what coach has here too. He has inside the, in, in a small circle inside, he says, see balance, decide. And then it's in action, out of action with ball, without ball. It's great. I'll, I'll put this one in the show notes. This is awesome. Um, so the game is, so if I'm getting this right, inaction means it's like the guy with the ball and the guy setting the screen. Usually there's only two or three guys ever in the action. Correct. Right? It's, I mean, Correct. it's the triangle offense whole premise. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. I just wanted to make sure I had that right for the listeners. Okay. Yeah. And then, you know, then there's other two markers are I, I either have the ball or I don't. So you're just sort of, again, this is sort of a structure as very early on as we're trying to teach like that we utilize to say, look, this is how simple it actually is. And, you know, the hope, the hope here is that this helps players sort of in many ways simplify the approach. So in other words, I always hated it as a player, you know, and, you know, when you'd run a set and you'd go to the wrong place and then coach loses his mind and it's like, okay, you know, and it's not that we don't run sets, but I want our players to play with, you know, kind of, without fear, with confidence, um, off instinct. And, and so kind of giving this basic parameters of like, this is what it is, I think kind of helps them maybe narrow their focus in a way. So that, that's right. the purpose behind it. And, and look, we, we run a lot of sets and we have different alignments. And, and I think, but this is a way to sort of um, pull all that together. I love that. Um, all right. So let, let me dive into some of my questions. Um, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this off so we can you're gonna see. You're going to stop here. Uh, yeah. There you go. Perfect. Okay. So um, what do you, let me, let me just dive into your league first. What do you see a lot of? Do you see a lot of man, a lot of zone? Do you, what do you see defensively? See a lot, see a lot of good coaches and a lot of guys that should be, should be playing major one basketball. Right. That's the truth. I mean, we, we struggled last year in year one, you know, admittedly we, you know, we were 0 and 10. I mean, so here's the unique thing about the league. Um, you know, you play everybody once. So it is very, very unique in all of college basketball. It's almost like a football conference because you play everybody one time. Um, there's no so you round. you play round. nine conference games? Ten. There's 11 of them. There's 11. Okay. Yeah. So that is a really unique thing about the NESCAC because you play everybody once. So each game takes on a life of its own. And when I say intense, they're intense. You know, you know you only have one shot at this particular team. And so it's, uh, you know, I, I found that you get everybody's best shot. Um, and you will, so so let's let's put, let's pick we'll pick Middlebury just because yeah. we can. So Middlebury would only come to Con College twice in like Drew's career. Yes, correct. That's crazy. I, I guess it's a travel thing. I guess it makes sense. Um, 
Yeah, it's very unique. Um, and it certainly, it makes it, it makes it interesting because you're, um, you know, you are, uh, you know, preparing really hard for that opponent one time. And like, think about it, a lot of your conference games at the high school level, you, you play somebody and you go, okay, well, I know what we're going to do next time. Well, right. there is no next time, you know, right. for us. And how many make the tournament? Four of the 11? Eight of the 11, which is great. Okay. Um, but in that in and of itself is very difficult. I can tell you the ninth place team last year, I'm not even going to name them, but they were so good. I thought they were really, really. There's got to be tiebreakers up to kazoo when you're playing everybody once. Tiebreakers, and then, like I said, you get you get a team. Like I honestly think this team that came in ninth, you know, with all due respect to all the conferences, probably could have won a first round NCAA tournament game, if not right. two. Right. So that's how strong the league is from top to bottom. Wow, that's crazy. Um, if you could only do three things at practice, what would you do? Oh, great question! Wow, that is. Uh, that is awesome. Um, okay, I can I can probably give you the first two pretty easily. Actually, I give them all to you. But only three things. So you're saying yep. three areas of focus? Three, just three things. It's open ended. Okay. All right. Um, I would say the the first thing we would do is um, we would do well. First of all, I'll, I'll work backwards. We're going to play five on five. So we're going to play five on five with offense and defense because in my mind, there's no other way to actually get better. <laughs> I mean, there right. are obviously, but you know, we're not going to sacrifice that. The, the second point I make is, and I just think this is probably where we are as a program. We're going to work on some element of transition defense. I just think I've watched so many games. This is brutal for me because we're not playing right now. And I've probably watched about 30 division one games in the last two days on synergy, but um, I think transition defense is so important, so hard to teach. I actually just saw Mike Dunlap quote on it earlier today. Like, I think transition defense, so, so difficult to get that right. Um, so for where we are at Con, probably transition defense would be two. And then uh, we, would, we would do some shooting, uh, realistic shooting. So those would be the three. Okay. Five on five, transition D and shooting. So that, there's, there's my answer. Okay. So um, summarize your coaching philosophy for me. Like in, 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 so I don't know if you're old enough. Cliff notes, you, are you spark notes or a cliff notes guy? Um, I know cliff's notes. Yeah. Okay. So you say that to kids now and they don't know what you're talking no, about. Exactly. You know, it's spark notes now. So, okay. um, uh, so give me a condensed version of your coaching philosophy. So uh, recruits listening and other coaches listening, what would be a condensed version for that? Yeah, I would. Do you like acronyms or? I do. I love acronyms. Do you know KISS? Yes. <laughs> yes. That was, I feel like growing up, that was uttered to me quite a bit. So okay. uh, that's always stuck in the back of my head. Uh, keep it simple, stupid. But no, I, I think, uh, you know, to try to answer seriously, that is the serious answer. Um, but I think overall, I mean, the, the general philosophy is, um, you know, we want to be competitors that execute. Like that's the bottom line. I, I want to build a, a group, you know, including the coaches that were, were competitors, we're ready to compete on any stage, anytime, anywhere. Um, but we have a high level of execution. So that would be okay. the best way to describe. Um, I'm going to give you kudos because you've already answered a couple questions I was going to ask about recruiting and stuff. So, and players. So that was good. Um, if, is there one coaching moment that, that we could dive into like a success, a failure that another coach could learn from? that you've experienced? Yeah, I, I, one that immediately jumps to mind and, and really um, 
taught me a lot was uh, I, I'm not going to use any specifics, but we had a player who was late to practice and I, this was early on as a head coach and this player was late to practice. And um, I like, I jumped him, you know, I jumped him and, and we, uh, you know, kind of, as the player came in, you know, kind of, you know, made a spectacle of it, um, had some sarcasm laced in there, but, you know, kind of, you know, as, as many coaches, you know, not happy with someone not being punctual. I was really, you know, aggressive about calling it out. And, and so the practice goes on and, you know, and I can tell there's something wrong with the player and, and he's, you know, his head's down. He's not, he's not, he's not there. So long story short, we get to the end of practice. I pull this gentleman aside and I just, you know, Hey, what's up? You know, like what's going on? And, and he kind of shared with me, like, you know, there was, he actually had a family emergency. It was something very serious. Um, he wasn't able to get, and this is why, you know, again, I think this is a good story to share. He wasn't able to get uh, communication to any of his teammates. And after talking to him, I understood why he actually got urgently pulled away from the group to handle something that was family related and, and serious. And so, uh, you know, the reason I, I go to this one is that really like, I was really unnerved by that. I felt, I felt terrible, of course, but also it taught me a really important lesson to take a deep breath. Um, you know, as I said, in the very beginning of the podcast, shut up and listen more than you do. And, and so I think that's um, probably the one I would point to right away is uh, not jumping to conclusions, you know, giving our student athletes a chance to, um, you know, express themselves, you know, because oftentimes you learn a lot by just listening and also not jumping to conclusions and, and just jumping guys and sort of, you know, making assumptions that, you know, like in this case, we're wrong. And, and, I, and I, you feel horrible afterwards. Right. I mean, and we've been lucky. We've been on a lot of national trips with my teams and um, that we had something similar come up and there was someone rude to one of my players. It wasn't like, and I, and I pulled the player aside. I said, let me explain. You don't know their story. Like yeah. you don't, they might just be a rude person. I said, they might be, but they might also like, be worried about like, you know, so-and-so or something happened in their friend. So you don't know their story. So just give them a break at that point. And that's what I always try to tell them is like, you just, you don't necessarily know. Like, <laughs> um, and part of that's youth. I think part of that is youth too. I think um, with the, with the practice thing to give you a break, I'm just telling well, you part of that's youth. Yeah. We've all done that in, in their younger days. Like, well, I think the amazing thing about coaching and becoming a head coach. And like I said, I, this is uh, this is year seven for me. Um, so I feel like I'm still pretty early on in it is the amount of the amount you realize you don't know with each year that goes by and the amount, <laughs> the amount you realize that you still need to learn. I, that's the most staggering thing. And the exciting thing in many ways for me, it, you know, it's, it's sort of, a, it, it, it gives you energy, but I wish I knew as much as I did in my twenties. Like I don't <laughs> exactly. know nothing now, like swear to God, like I knew everything in my twenties. Are you kidding me? And now right. I feel like, I, don't, I feel like I don't know anything in, anymore. I know that's so true. Um, what's one thing you've learned this week? This week? Um, I've learned not to try to explain the word quarantine to a four-year-old. The four-year-old's not going to remember this. That's the good part about it. Yeah, but even that conversation, just that for the coaches out there, you know, you need to go in with a game plan. That was that was a major mistake. Uh, <laughs> my son was very confused, frustrated, and we basically just had to end practice early. To use right. <laughs> we had to get out of that one. So. It's uh, it's um, it's funny though. It's like I'm not. 
they're all, they're all going through different things at different levels. It's so bad. Like, do you have any kids in school yet? Is, is, no, no, just the one. Just the one. Okay. Cause that's the ones that I'm feeling. I'm my heart's breaking for the seven to 11 year olds. Um, the ones that are learning just to read the ones that are like, they're the ones that's like, I feel, but my heart just breaks for them because Drew's going to be fine. My sophomore daughter's going to be fine. They'll figure it out. But those kids that are just learning to love learning. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I feel so, and you can only do so much by a zoom. <laughs> um, what would you tell your younger self? Breathe. Okay. Slow down. Breathe slow and down. slow down. Okay. I, yeah. <laughs> then you don't know everything. I think we kind of answered that. If you yeah. could, uh, if you could talk to one coach for an hour, living or dead, one hour in a room, who would you talk to? And um, I'll answer pretty quickly. I would say John Wooden. And I know that's probably very cliche and probably a lot of people have used him. I, I was very lucky at Davidson to coach with, as I mentioned earlier, and to be at that program. And we had a chance to play um, in uh, the Hall of Fame Classic, I think it's called, out in Anaheim. And this was right before Coach Wooden passed. And I got to see him at a dinner. I didn't I didn't speak to him, um, but just, you know, having read his books over the years, having been in the same room, even if it was from a distance, uh, I've just always had uh, obviously an incredible amount of respect and admiration for all of his, you know, writings and his teachings and his philosophies. So I, I would probably go there first and, and say John Wood. Okay. I would give you an A on that coach. Cause that tends to be a really hard question for, cause there's a lot of really good coaches. Um, so I give you an A on that. You, you, uh, <laughs> what have you seen as a biggest change since you started playing in the game of basketball? That's a great question too. I, I guess the easy answer or quick answer would be: um, it was interesting. Um, I'm not. I'm going to do a shameless little plug for Connecticut College, but um, you know we've struggled our basketball program over the last few years um, prior to getting here, and you know. I'm, you know, I know we've talked in person, but I'm excited to try to turn that around. Uh, but in 1998-99, Connecticut College was the number one team in the country. It actually got to 27-0 and at one point and lost in the Final Four of Division Three. So there is some history here of, of great success. And where I'm going with this is I actually watched their Elite Eight game where they played Trinity, who's another conference member, right? I watched, someone, a friend of mine, cut it up for us and – shared it on the computer and so I watched the game and Steve what's amazing is the the spacing of the game is so different and this is when I played in the late 90s early 2000s you know two post players you know guys inside the arc you just don't see the spacing that you see now in almost hey everybody hope you're enjoying the podcast um I'd like to give a big shout out to teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better they they allow us to keep these podcasts moving and chugging and uh, allow us to pay the bills um, so it's one way that you can give back. If you love these podcasts, come over and join for a couple of months, the 14 day free trial, kick the tires around. And we've got lots of great new things going up on a daily basis. We would love if you subscribe and like, um, wherever you, you do that, Apple, Spotify, um, and then go over and check out our other two podcasts, uh, high school hoops and teacher Sidegate. I think you'll love them. All right, let's head back to the podcast at almost all levels. And, you know, just the, uh, the prevalence of even like high, low post play and things like that um, were so much greater, you know, 20, 25 years ago. So I, I think that would be one I would immediately, you know, point out, I think just the spacing on the floor, the way coaches um, align their, 
their offenses especially has changed. Uh, I'd also say to the way the game is officiated, right, there, I think there's probably less contact. So that's sort of opened things up for, for, for more freedom of movement, right, which is sort of the terminology. Wow, I'm moving to the East Coast with the less contact. It's gotten more physical. Well, but, but I'm also in the Midwest football stadium. It's like, it's like a football match here in Wisconsin. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't, and I, I think it's all relative. I think there's still, a lot of, there's still a lot of contact in the game, and you're right. I've I've played games in the Midwest, you know, different programs out there where, yeah, it's a it's a rock fight. It's a rock fight. Uh, yeah. When is the line officially moving back? I know it's supposed to this year, right? But it didn't happen. They gave D D two and D three a moratorium, so they gave us an extra year. So it wasn't going to move back this year. I think they gave us. Oh no, that was last year. So I believe. This year was a moratorium, and then next year, so what would that be, 21-22? Division three will have the deeper line. And will you think that will have any effect on the spacing? Um, we'll see. I mean, right, they, they kind of felt like it would um, at the D1 level. I'm not sure it has. Uh, so I, I'm not a necessary – I don't necessarily believe that to be the case. I'm not I, I have a theory, so this is my – This is. I think the court's too small. I mean, the bodies, I mean, the court hasn't changed and the bodies are getting bigger and stronger and faster. Mm-hmm. Um, it almost needs to be wider. Like I, I would go there too. I think the number of times <laughs> that people step out of bounds on the, in the corner, especially is. I mean, the, 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 you're a 94 feet. We're an 84, literally high school. I, there should be like a new rule that any new high school gym should be 94 feet. Like should be, right. but the collegiate level it's not wide enough like these bodies are so big now that like um and now that you're going to the long, new three-point line that, that corner is going to be they're going to have about that much space in that corner um yeah which i think is it's going to cause more issues if they can if they could just widen another couple feet on the side um i think it would leave space for people to be able to create but you Again, have my vote for that, Steve. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to get rid of the jump ball. That's what I'm trying to get rid of. That's my. Okay. That's literally my sole purpose. I'm going to try to get rid of the jump ball. People, that, that's worse than the shot clock yes, no in high school. When I brought up getting rid of the jump ball, people came after me. I go. You would give all to the defense? I'd give the ball to the visiting team. Done. Okay. And then you do alternating possession. The, 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 the officials are horrible at throwing the ball up. No oh, you're time. saying the initial jump. The initial I jump. No, 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 no. I just meant the initial jump. Okay. Then you go alternating possession after that. I'm talking, why do we do the initial jump? <laughs> yeah, I've seen some really horrific ones. <laughs> I got my, One of my guys got called for a foul last year on the initial jump, which I've never seen. But yeah. the bigger issue is, like, they're just – there's three guys doing our games and, and they're accountants. Like they're working all day and then they come do our games, but they don't practice throwing it up. Like when we, when I was growing up, everything was a jump ball. They were pretty good at throwing the jump ball. Yeah. I just think it's a silly archaic thing. People just like literally the thought I shot. Steve, their I, I'm with you. I let's give it to the visitors. Side OB gives you a special situation. Start the game. It let's does. Go. It does. It makes you coach. Like okay, so I've got it. I'm visiting, so it means I'm going to get it. So then he this becomes a chess match, which I love. Like, um, I like but, it. Uh, we'll see. I'm going to start a. I'm going to start a movement on that. See if I get <laughs> anywhere with it. Um, all right. So I'm going to do my rapid fire. So my rapid fires. I'm just going to ask a question. It can be rapid. It doesn't necessarily have to be rapid. Sometimes they're a little bit longer. Um, what is your favorite brand of basketball, the actual ball you play with? I love the Nike ball. Oh, okay. And I haven't used it in a long time. 
<laughs> and why do you like the Nike ball? I don't know. Just the feel of it. Probably my my close second would be the I like the NCA, the Wilson, but the Wilson, the Nike, the Nike ball. I don't know that. And this was back in like two thousand eight, nine, ten. So it's maybe feel. It's all about feel. I'm telling yeah. you. Do you have any superstition? Okay. Uh, one word. To, one word to describe your ideal player. Intense. Okay. Uh, if you could go to one sporting event in the world anywhere, what would you go to? Do I get to pick where? Yep, anywhere. No, probably like World Cup. Let's just say Italy. I love Italy. I'm telling you, 1990, I graduated college in 89. My brother and I spent the entire summer backpacking through Europe, and we, we got stuck in Italy during World Cup, and Italy was playing. Oh, my gosh. You lived my uh, my dream here. Okay. It was like we were in some little mom and pop getting pasta or something. I remember this. And literally, we couldn't find anybody to pay. They The game was on. They were just gone. Like, they gave us our food, and then they just left. Like, where are they? We just threw some money on the table and left. I don't even know. Whatever. If we ever even paid them enough at that point. Um, but, yes, it was – we had a, we had to figure out our – well, we had a year rail pass. So we had to figure out our train thing because it's like, Oh God, they're playing in, you know, Florence. We can't, we can't, we got to go a different, we got to go a different direction because we're not going to find any place there. Um, but yes, that would be, that would be it. Uh, favorite pregame meal. Uh, I've had so much chicken parm for some reason before games in my lifetime. I guess I just, by default, I'd go there. Okay. Uh, what does your game day look like? Game day, you know, it can depend, but primarily uh, like a morning, morning film session, walk through, shoot around, followed by, you know, getting off our feet, sort of relaxing, letting guys nap, do their thing, pregame meal um, as a group, uh, particularly when we're home, but on the road as well. Um, you know, we like to get guys out on the court early, let them go through their own personal routines. Uh, we only meet once as a team. I know teams like to go in and out we only meet once as a team and then we do we too uh do you um do you do anything specific as far as as prep before that it, like for games or anything I mean, do you take a nap oh like like me specifically yeah. uh no not typically okay. i uh i i meditate so i do that and i go, I go through my notes and 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 things like that coach so k we, takes a nap that's how I always use that with my wife. Because um, his theory is, I read this in one of his books. His theory was you're the freshest when you wake up. So he wants to go home before a game and take a nap. And then he wakes up and he's like, it's like the morning. And then he feels like he's the sharpest. I don't know. It's worked well for me. That, that, I'd have to use that. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's one thing you do to relax? Meditate. Okay. Uh, one, one coaching technique you consider important asking questions okay best basketball player you have seen in person this is a tough one because i i have to try to think of like the whole um the whole span of the career playing and coaching well i can work backwards i mean i got to see i mean you counted me as a fan in the in like the mm -hmm. like at an nba game okay yeah. i mean i i'm gonna probably lose the whole audience here but i go back to like early 2000s, I saw Jason Kidd leading the New Jersey Nets to the finals. Uh, they were playing the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. Was, he was playing at an incredible level. I think he had, I want to say like 20-something points, 19 assists, 16 rebounds. I, 
that was one of the best performances I've ever seen. I, I almost never saw anybody dominate a game really without looking to score like he did. And right. yet he had 20. Um, I think people forget how good Jason Kidd was. Uh, so I don't know that that's probably going to lose most people. But <laughs> that's good. That, What's the best player, basketball player of all time? No, that's a, you can't win that one. I mean, I'll just be contrarian and just try to bother all the listeners and say Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I, I, the, here's the issue I have. People don't even talk about, like, Russell. He won, right. like, 10 championships. Right. That's I think, why well, I said Kareem. It's just sort of like it's a wash. I mean, it's a wash. I think those top 10 are so good. It's, it, Michael's got 95% of the votes. I think the guy the living in Wisconsin right now has a shot at it. Don't think he's there yet. He's still young. Has put yep. some weight on. Extend his shot a little bit, but Giannis is pretty good. Um, pretty unique, yeah. Yeah, he's pretty unique. So we'll see. He's a hard worker too, from everything I can tell. Um, fav- uh, we already did that one. What? Well, um, what? One thing that helped you become a better coach? Probably. Well, two things. I'd like helping me become a better coach was getting married and then having a son. Like both of those things, in many ways, really helped me gain perspective. And yeah, so I'd, I'd say those would be the two e- obvious ones. I would say that. That's great. Um, best game you have seen in person? Well, that Eastern Conference final, I think it was a game six, was incredibly high level. Um, wow. I mean, I'd have to go, you know, the best game, and I'm going to really lose any fans I had left <laughs> by you. I think you might know where I'm going to go with this, is 2008, Sweet 16, Ford Field. You know, I was lucky to be on the Davidson staff, our game against Wisconsin. I mean, and what people didn't know at the time was I believe the gentleman's name was Michael Flowers, who was the star defender for Wisconsin. I think he said something to the newspaper, like, hey, I'm going to lock him up, referring to Steph. And I, you know, just knowing Steph, like he was not, like, he's very quiet, but he was not happy to hear about that. And I'm pretty sure a coach might have mentioned that to him. Um, he, <laughs> he played out of his mind. I think LeBron James was at the game. It was one of those things where I'll obviously never forget that memory. Um, but just that's the team. an easy, that's an easy first. That's an easy game. Yeah, I remember the, that the game. team, the team played out of their mind. We had some great performances from some guys that came off the bench defensively. Like we, and I have the utmost respect for Bo Ryan. I mean, that, that was an unbelievable Wisconsin team. We just played out of our minds and defensively, especially, which I don't think people realized how good defensively we were. And we had some guy unsung heroes that we doubled the post and what was it? Brian Butch, I think was on that team. It, they were loaded but we played really well. You did, but you played really well that game. Um, what's your favorite quote? I think you said it already, maybe. Um, I, I have a couple. I mean, okay. I really like the, you know, and this is stolen directly from uh, another Midwesterner, like Urban Meyer and, and sort of the, the Kite brothers to, or the Kite family who, I don't know if listeners follow these guys, but uh, I, it's just E plus R equals L. Event plus response equals outcome. Love and that. It's, it's, it's a simple formula, and it's just something that we try to talk to our team about is that, you know, especially in these times, like we, we have very little control over external, external events or things that happen to us. Um, you, you know, so in that equation, the E plus the R plus the equals O, the only one you can circle is the R, which is your response. You don't right. control the events. You don't control the outcome. So that's, that's been on my mind a lot lately just because of everything happening, um, you know, in my conversations with our guys. It's, it's, in the forefront of my mind at all times, just, you know, what can you do in this situation to deal with whatever you're dealing with? And right. With. I love that. Uh, best basketball coach of all time. 
Yikes. Well, I get. I have to go with John Wooden. I, okay. Yeah. I said I would, usually, I said I would you, you, did, you did say that. Usually, usually that's – so the player is much faster. This one tends to hurt people because it's like there's so many good basketball coaches all over the world like that we don't even know their names necessarily it might be in arizona coaching you know it doesn't matter all right um one book you'd recommend yeah i uh there's so there's a book i i try to give books that are maybe outside the the, the realm of maybe coaching or basketball um there's a book called principles written by a gentleman named ray dalio d-a-l-i-o um and ray ran a, a billion dollar hedge fund on wall street and he's now kind of in the twilight of his career i think he stepped away from being the acting ceo of this this company um and you know the biggest thing you know the book is called principles and it's it's essentially it's a very thick read i don't suggest reading it from front to from cover to back but right. it's a great resource it talks a lot about uh companies and teams and organizations and and just how they work and one of the nice one of the things I weigh the most from it is he has multiple things he talks about, but just this idea of being very transparent about like almost everything you do. So, you know, just sharing with everybody, like what you're doing, why you're doing it, here it is. But, you know, and, and but that's difficult for people to do because sometimes it's negative and sometimes people don't want to hear it. So that's right. a, that's part of the general theme of the book. And then he's got a specific quote that I really like. It, it's this pain plus reflection equals progress. And that one has always stuck with me. Pain plus reflection equals progress. So you go through some kind of pain, whether it's you know working out is physical or making a coaching mistake is mental, but the pain reflect upon it. Okay, I could have done this X, Y, or Z better. And then progress. So just that whole concept of pain plus reflection equals progress. It's it's the whole growth mindset thing. It's like yeah. failure is okay. You know, you learn more right. from failure sometimes. I love that. All right. So uh Tell us a little bit about Conn College before we uh, – Connecticut sure. College. Just tell me a little bit. So give me, give me the two-minute – this is the last question. Give yep. me – like, tell me. I'm, I'm, I'm a 17-year-old, and I'm thinking about coming to Connecticut College. What can you tell me, and why should I come there? Absolutely. Well, first of all, it's, uh, it's a beautiful place. Like, it's a physically it beautiful place. Like you, and our location, I think, quite frankly, is one of the biggest draws to consider a Connecticut College. I mean, I don't know if you realize this, Steve, we are 90 minutes north of New York City, we are 90 minutes south of Boston, and we are right on Interstate 95. So I know that doesn't mean anything out in the West, but- No, but it, it, it was easy. And, yeah. and then what was the campus that was right by you? Coast Guard Academy. Coast so the, Guard Academy, yes. The Coast Guard is right next to us. So we have the Coast Guard next door, which is beautiful. Yep. We are on the Thames River, not the Thames, it's the Thames, <laughs> unlike England. Thames River, which is beautiful river. Um, there's a naval base across the, the bank from our campus. And then on the south of our campus, the city of New London is a beautiful little city with lots of shops and restaurants. And it's actually a port city where you can take a ferry to Long Island and the northern tip of Long Island. So there's just a lot of fun stuff going around in the area. Uh, Mystic, Connecticut is right down the road. There's a famous aquarium there. So it's a really cool place. We're on the water. So if you like water and that environment you'll love it now, is, your, is your facility is your basketball thing across do i remember that right are you across yeah. the road so we have a beautiful campus on a hill i would call it where you know it, it kind of stretches north to south pretty long you know yeah. we're only two thousand students but it's pretty big yeah and then and then across the we call it route 32 and there's a walking bridge across it across that is our giant athletic facility which by the way there are plans to renovate here in the, in the near future so you know so there's some exciting things going on there 
Um, you know, we, we talked about it before. I think it's one of the better leagues you can compete in at any level. We're, you know, we're kind of a mini Ivy League in many ways, academically, of course. And then the basketball is great. You know, we, every year we have seniors that go on and play overseas. So the level of play is very, very high. And the other reason I'd say if people are listening is, you know, we're at the ground floor of building what I hope is a very good fortune 500 where we, we get this thing going. So, right. um, you know, our young guys now and the guys we're talking to, you know, I want them to know that they're going to be a part of building something hopefully special. And, um, you know, the, the, the deck is stacked against us. We were, as I said before, I'm not afraid to say this publicly, like we, we struggled last year, we finished in last place, but um, we're looking to change that. So it's a, uh, it's a challenge. We want people to, who want to roll their sleeves up, but it's a beautiful place. Uh, I would quickly say that the education, itself i mean the league does but uh, we have great resources so what con college does i think particularly well because of our location is we get people ready for their careers uh, we place kids in internships in new york city boston you you name it our kids go there and that's a big big part of the the experience at, at connecticut college is um you know trying to give kids that return on investment where they can get internships so that they're they're ready to be hired when they leave Great. Great. Thanks for being on coach. I really appreciate it. I really Steve, do. This is great. It's, it's a pleasure to see you again. I, I wish you and uh, Drew all the best. Um, I'll, I'll make sure I get up to a game at some point. I don't know how much coaching I have left in me, but we'll see. I got a couple of years left, I think, but yes. Well, t- judging from how prolific this podcast is, I think you got, you got a lot of energy. Left. I got a lot. I got lots of energy. I do have lots of energy. Hey everybody. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, like, um, we love those. Um, and send me an email, steve at teachhoops.com. Tell me what you want to hear in the future. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Have a great day. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.